Hi, my name is Renee Jones, owner of Defense In Depth. Welcome to Data Defender, where our mission is to drive growth and revenue by reducing your vulnerabilities and risk and implement cybersecurity best practices. These best practices can also be used with the CMMC certification. Today, we will identify the top five critical processes for your business. In 2018, I worked with an agency to identify those processes that if compromised would bring their revenue down 70%. In 2019, I worked with an organization that identified processes that would affect their revenue. The CMMC also identifies tasks that businesses should implement to identify those top critical processes. In order to identify your top five critical processes, the first and most important thing is to work with your team, those end users who are on the front lines working with those applications, processes, and systems to determine what they do, how they drive revenue, and from that information, your team will be able to identify which of the processes are actually the most critical. Second, you would want to understand your user roles in those processes. Separation of duties is extremely important in this case. You want to make sure that your end users are performing their duties and responsibilities in order to get the best out of your application systems and processes. Third, the value that comes out of identifying your top five critical processes is to give the information to your disaster recovery team or a third party where you are backing up your data. Your third party or the entity that is responsible for recovery of your data in the event of a breach or a compromise can now use this information to prioritize which processes will come online first second, third, fourth, and fifth. This will ensure that your mission is not compromised, that your growth and revenue continues. The other thing that is a plus in identifying your top five critical processes is now you have the ability to implement an incident response plan. You want to respond quickly to those processes identified that would bring down revenue 70% if compromised or unavailable. Now let's talk about separation of duties. Separation of duties assures that each user has the access appropriate to their job function so that they can successfully complete their job function. It may be easier to give everyone complete and total access so that you will not have to grant access later on, but down the road, this could lead to insider threat, disgruntled employee, end users downloading malware from the internet intentionally or unintentionally, but having access, full access granted to all persons is not in the best interest of your business. Separation of duties increases accountability for the person assigned to that role because only that person who is assigned to perform that task should have access in order to complete that task. Separation of duties also prohibits unchecked access to hardware and software. If everyone is not allowed to make configuration changes on the hardware or the software, 
then you're in a better position to protect your data and revenue. The CMMC also requires that businesses institute separation of duties so that roles are defined and that no one is stepping outside of their lane in order to perform another function. Let's talk about how you would implement separation of duties. There's something I like to call access creep, where people who have started the business with you or who have, have been present since you started or began your IT department, they have access to everything because they were needed to install hardware, to install software. So they pretty much have the keys to the kingdom. Well, bad news. You're going to have to remove some of that access because no one should have access to everything. It leads to insider threat. It also leads to, leads to collusion where you have one person who can not only enter data, but approve data and delete data. And as the business owner, you would have no way to track those transactions. So access creep, fleshing out who actually needs access to perform a role is very important in separation of duties. Okay, next, roles and responsibilities, which goes to separation of duties. You want to make sure that roles and responsibilities are assigned to have the least privileged access. By that, I mean no user should have more access than their job requires. So if you set the roles and responsibilities, you're actually going to flesh out who actually has more access than is needed to perform a job. In separation of duties, you want to review who has access to sensitive or financial data transfer. This is very important because there are regulations and fines associated with a compromise of sensitive and financial data. So you really want to make sure that those who are assigned to work with sensitive and financial data transfers have a legitimate need to access that information. Next is the C-suite the most important entity in an organization because a bad actor looks for the chief financial officer, the CEO, the CIO, the director, the president. They know that those titles probably have access to everything. So you wanna fool the bad actor by giving those personnel two separate accounts. One account is to do regular business, so that account does not have privileged access. The other account, if they need to perform duties such as sensitive data transfer, financial data transfer, review financial data transfer, that they can use a privileged account for. But you don't want anyone who can be identified as a leader with privileged access using it for all of their daily business functions. Finally, the best way to ensure separation of duties to make sure that everyone is on board and in line with their role is to have every employee sign a non-disclosure agreement, an NDA. This protects your data, your intellectual property in the event there is a compromise or a breach or an, just an unintentional mistake of a leak of data. The NDA will protect your data and assets. Let's talk about passwords. We all know passwords, we all have them, we all use them. 
But in your business, you have to make sure that anyone unauthorized to access your business cannot do it by breaking a password. Some organizations allow users to make three to five attempts to guess at a password. This is something that an unauthorized user would also try to gain access. Some companies allow a 30-minute wait, and then you can try again to guess a password. Guess what? Unauthorized users know this, and they will also wait 30 minutes to try again. What you want to do is limit the number of times and the number of tries that anyone can guess a password on your network. Be sure you do not allow common passwords within your organization. Common passwords are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, or any variation of that. ABC123, password, password one, password two. Unauthorized persons know that users use these passwords in order to gain access. The best one that we know is QWERTY, Q-W-E-R-T-Y, which is on the top line of the keyboard. Now, users have been told for the last 10 years not to use this password, but these co this common password is still found in organizations. Make sure also that when you purchase hardware or software, that you change the default password. Manufacturers will install a password on your device or on the software, and it's commonly known and can be found on the internet. As soon as you open that box and plug in that device, change that password also. So how do you get your employees to move from common passwords to complex passwords? Well, there's a couple of simple rules. First, a password should not contain the account name. So my password would not contain my name, Renee. Second, any password created by a human should have an eight character minimum, combination of numbers, letters, special characters, but eight characters is the minimum. And I'll tell you later how to make that password easy to remember so you don't have to write it down, which is another no-no in passwords. If a machine is generating a password, that password should have a six character minimum. So remember when you took that device out of the box or installed that software, that manufacturer password should have a six character minimum. Third, and my favorite, is to create passphrases. Passphrases are different from passwords because it is so unique to the individual that it's very hard to guess. A passphrase would be your favorite day, favorite color, favorite number. You take all of that information and substitute letters, numbers, characters that only you would recognize. A bad actor or an unauthorized user would not figure out that long passphrase of favorite day, favorite color, favorite number. And even if they could figure out, well, that may be a Wednesday, they'd still have to figure out the special characters that you use to substitute an E, a D, and an A. Well, that's all we have for today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me at Renee Jones on all social media or hashtag Data Defender. Until next time.